to another episode of the Glorantha Initiation Series, where we talk to new members of the tribe. The God Learner Studies wants to know what are the rewards and what are the hurdles when approaching this setting. I'm Ludovic, aka Lord Abdul, and today I'm with uh, YouTube star Brian. Hey, Brian. <laughs> I wouldn't say star. <laughs> well, you're a YouTuber, and there's a, probably a little star icon somewhere around the channel interface, so that, that works. <laughs> Okay. So who are you and uh, and what are you doing here? Oh, well, I am a longtime gamer. You've got white hair, so yes, I can see I that. do have way too much <laughs> white hair. And uh, when uh, Glorantha came out, was that 2018 or 2017? Oh, the when RQG uh, first came out, the the new uh, edition, yes. So I yes. think uh, something like quick start in twenty seventeen and maybe twenty eighteen for the rulebook. That sounds like right. That. Yeah. When that first came out, though, I I bit off on it. I'm a longtime RuneQuest lover. Yeah. And uh, when RQG came out, I jumped on board. I got a hold of Todd, and I've been running uh, c uh, convention games ever since. Cool. Yeah. I've been trying to expand it. We did Origins and Gen Con the first year. Um, second year, I think I added in PAX Unplugged, did that a couple times. Uh, but Pennsylvania, or sorry, Philadelphia is just not the place for me. <laughs> so I stopped <laughs> yeah. doing that one. And so that was, that was in, in 20, yeah, 17, 2018. Yeah. So wait, how, how did you know RuneQuest before that? It must've been after high school. Yeah. And I was in a game store and I saw a copy of it was either Apple Lane or Snake Pipe Hollow. And on the back, it had a partial character sheet with the hit location chart. Oh. And I saw that because I was playing, you know, D&D at the time. I go, that, that's what I need. That's what I want. And so <laughs> that's what we started playing. We had uh, a couple of different groups that at time or time, again, had jumped into RQ2. Um, and we ran some of that a few times. Um, and then uh, when RQ3 came out, the Avalon Hill version, I actually bit off on that because I was more of a um, fantasy Earth guy than a Glorantha guy. Right, yeah. And so i just been sucking on that. I was actually overseas uh, for 10 years. We got back to the States in 2011. And that's when I found out um, about some of the changes happening in the in Chaosium. And so I got on the Kickstarter for the republishing of RQ2. At Gen Con, I bought the whole Guide to Glorantha piece, <laughs> and I started picking up everything I could find. I started, hey, I went, I got some even Hero War stuff. I just everything I could find that was Glorantha-ish, RuneQuest-ish. I started grabbing mm -hmm. onto. <laughs> um, so if we go back to to the beginning, um, so you did did you play like a lot of RQ2 with the published modules, or just just a bit, and then you mostly went to Fantasy Earth. Um, we didn't do any of the published modules, actually, with RQ2. We were all doing homebrew stuff. Oh, okay. It, it was Glorantha in the fact that there were the cults, because I remember discussions with the GM and one of our players, because he got his power up to 18, and so, hey, the priest is talking to you. You need to sacrifice that <laughs> to the deity, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I don't really remember being enmeshed in, in Glorantha itself. But it was right. the crunchiness of RuneQuest that I, I just love that kind of stuff. Cool. And so you're playing Fantasy Earth in RuneQuest 3 and all that. Uh, then fast forward to, yeah, something like 2016, 2018, something like that. Yeah. So that, that's when you started buying all the, all those. That's when I started diving in. Yep. Cool. And so what, what did you, what did you start reading first? Like, how did that go? Um, well, it didn't go too bad at first because, you know, Things were on the cheap then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, what I was trying to dive into was what do we have? Because I modify stuff rather than try to create my own. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to get what what is a Glorantha and what does it really mean? Like in um, <laughs> not Hero Hero Wars is maybe Hero Quest in the Orlando mm -hmm. book is talking about you know. All females have the earth room. That's, that's part of what it is of being female, right? Uh -huh. And all the males have the air room. It's part of being male. And I like that concept of, you know, there are these things in the universe, like runes, that are established. Uh -huh. And that the culture and society and everything kind of rolls around that. Okay, yeah. Did you actually, like, read 
all of those various books from all those different product lines? Or? Not all of them. I did. <laughs> I've, I've read some of all of them, but only all of one of them. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. I am also, you know, underlining stuff, things I want to try to remember that deal with the culture and with. Oh my God, you're you're one of those people actually highlighting yeah, in the books. Oh, I do. No. Oh, yeah, you would scream if you saw my RQG book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I've got all kinds of pen marks in that. <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, you um, you you basically got this whole bunch of books and started just like skimming and reading through all of them. Mm -hmm. And did did you actually manage to build some conception of what Glorenta was like and what it? looked like and all that or well the uh the maps helped my own personal in envisionment of bronze age is northern european right the stone round houses and thatch roofs and that kind of thing it's not the babylonian assyrian brick mud stuff that so yeah. that was a transition that i continue to battle with mm -hmm. um but as as the more and more you read and learn the more and more it becomes alive to you when I started doing the convention games, you know, we're talking about new people to RuneQuest, right? Nope, or Glorantha. You know, they don't know Glorantha. You know, the mythology is real. You know, Yelm, the sun god, does in fact travel across the sky dome, rising up out of the earth and going back down into the earth. The earth, which is the earth rune, is in fact a cube floating in the ocean. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, mm -hmm. the mythology is real. Yelm died. That's why he has to go back through the underworld every night because he, he's reenacting his death. Um, you know, the moon... I don't talk too much about the moon. In fact, the moon is evil people. Um, <laughs> we we you know, don't talk about Orland, the moon. Orland's a storm god, right? He's the adventurer. He was upset that he wasn't king of the mountain. So he's fighting with Yelm all the time. They do these competitions, one after another, after another. But Yelm keeps kicking it up because Yelm's the emperor, right? Um, mm -hmm. So he gets a little upset, and he gets to his brother and takes, you know, death, the sword, and kills Yelm. It's dark. What happens is dark? Bad things happen. Evil creatures, chaos creatures come out of the earth. Darkness creatures come out of the earth. And, you know, chaos and bad stuff starts to rain in Orlanthemy. And the adventure goes, hmm, bad choice. Let's go fix this. So he's the adventure. He goes and he fixes it. He goes down the underworld and he gets, gets him and brings it back up. And that's the whole cycle of things. And that just, the more and more I got into, the more and more I drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> um how how does that go with when you um when you talk about all that and you try to explain what Glorenta is to the to new people at convention? Um, you know, I actually got a letter. I didn't get a letter. Todd got a letter from one of my players at one of the conventions, explaining how great it was and how enthusiastic I was in explaining the environment and the mythology and everything else. So I think it actually comes across really well. <laughs> nice. That was really uh, pleased. That... Holy cow! Really, somebody like that. That's great. <laughs> is that Todd from Chaosium? Yes, uh-huh. When oh, he was running yeah. the convention scenarios, yeah. Yes, cool. Um, so, yeah, let's go into what actually uh, grabbed you about Florida. Like, well, what is it that uh, that you, because like you said, you were more fantasy Earth. So mm -hmm. what made you actually drink the Kool-Aid, like you say? Uh, it had to do with, with, with the new Glorantha, right? Um, mm -hmm. RQG comes out, I take it, I'm running with it, and... Um, you know, they, they talk about how it was designed to be Gloranthin, mm -hmm. not just, you know, RuneQuest, the game system. It's RuneQuest Gloranthin. It's designed, built around, you know, the runes, which are part of the universe and the building blocks of society and, and life and everything else. And um, it, it's what I had. So I ran with it. And the more I ran, the more I fell in love with it. Cool. Um, so it's mainly this tight integration of the system and the world. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any other like game system setting pair that you, that you could um, cite that also have this tight integration that you like? Oh, not at all. But then I don't play a lot of different, different, different games. Well, I take that back. When I was in high school, yeah, uh, my buddy Ed and Brett and I, we were the three, three amigos who would play every weekend, all kinds of different stuff. So I've gone through fashion, put out a game called behind enemy lines where you're role-playing army rangers during World War II. Mm -hmm. So obviously the game and the setting were very tight, right? That was a lot of fun. Um, Barn Master, I noticed the map behind you there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> was another one we bit into really heavy because of the crunchiness. We liked that crunchiness. Oh, you played in Harden with Harn Master? With Harn Master, yes. Oh, that's exactly. hardcore. <laughs> it was. It was great. Cool. Uh, um, but those, those were tied together. But after that... Not really. I think it was pretty much well. There was the there's some Japanese role playing games we did. We did 
um, Land of the Rising Sun and Ushido. Oh. Uh, so those were also being Oriental. were very tied to the Oriental society mm-hmm. or the Asian society mm-hmm. and, you know, the culture of that time and place. In fact, uh, my, my buddy Brett um, in one of those games, I think it was Bushido, where you get to roll for um, uh, heirlooms. And he inherited the Wakazashi and, and, and uh, Katana pair, right, from his grandparents or whatever, that were minus ones. <laughs> but because they were heirlooms, you had to use them. We used to call them the shovels. <laughs> nice. But most of that stuff is just generic fantasy kind of stuff. Um, so is there anything you don't like about either Glorantha the setting or RuneQuest the game or anything in between? Well, because Glorantha's got this 40-year history that I was not a part of at all, right? <laughs> yes. You think there's this ton of ketchup you've got to do. Yeah. Um, and so that's daunting, right? That mm-hmm. that I can see that putting the brakes on new people coming into Glorantha. Yeah. The fact that there's all this stuff and you know nothing. Mm-hmm. Which is one thing I did actually like about RQG is okay, Kalimar, the Erdaldori clan, you know, Dragon Pass with this one little section. We can do this. That's not yeah. that big. Let's not worry about Relios and the Western Isle or the Eastern Isles and all this other stuff because I, I don't. Yeah, exactly. I, I've which, got Dragon Pass. That's my map. Yeah, which are things that, you know, if you played in Glorantha back in the RQ2 days, you wouldn't even know, like they're never mentioned anywhere, I think. Um, or That's maybe just stuff was was uh, Prax, right? It was mostly Prax. Yeah, there wasn't even published material in Sartar except Apple Lane, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and yeah, all of the, you know, the West or the East or Pamaltela, it might have been just labels on the map, but nothing like you could do what you want with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did you figure a way to handle this 40 years of history except by spending many lonely nights reading through old books i actually have not done that (laughs) i've got pdfs of everything so if i need to i can always do a search i'm looking for something specific which i've done yes Um, but like most gms will tell you when you start off world building right Mm -hmm. you start off with the village and surrounding areas it's start a little spot that's what i end up doing um my first campaign what's our first scenario i don't remember my first scenario but the second scenario of that was a uh, conversion of, oh, shoot, what's it called? It was a module. It was one of those super modules, right? It's got like 10 different levels and that kind of thing. And Like um, a conversion of what, a, a D&D module or? Yeah, it was a D&D module. Yes, it was. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. There's Gil produced it. And um, we, my, my buddies and I, when we were in high school, would always go in and play in this, through the different systems that we used. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I took this concept of this, you know, underground hidden city kind of thing. Um, I put it up next to uh, Lawrence Shade's footprint because there's some chaos stuff going on. So this whole thing about stepping down the earth, converting the earth, pulling stuff down under underground made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And there's this uh, death cult that's on the first couple of levels. And as I'm reading through it, I'm going, this sounds familiar. So I'm looking through cults of terror and uh, they're all for they're sanitary. That's what they are. So I, I learned what I can about the Thanatar cult, right? And how they, their magic works, what they do. And I plug it all in and I just kind of reach out one little piece here, one little piece there. And I'll dig down and find out. Um, later on in my campaign, I had to get them towards the coast. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the RQG, not the, key, the RQ2 map in the book, mm-hmm. there's it's either a... Um, a battle or a ruins site that's right near where Kars is on the new map. Right. Yeah. And there's actually in one of the Stafford Library books uh, about a flood in 12-something, I think it was, that, that came through that river that's right by Kars. And so, okay, old Kars got flooded. New Kars is there. So there's this old Kars that had a temple, and so they had to go in the temple and find some stuff and, and continue on with the, with the adventure. So being able to pick a little piece, do a little bit of research, and start diving into a little thing just explained, exploded, you know, what Glorantha is capable of. <laughs> do, do you have trouble, even even when you just pick one place, and then, you know, they have a MacGuffin to go get in the other place, so you just look at that other place? Do you have, like, the uh, sort of Wikipedia wormhole effect where 
even though you're trying to limit yourself to one place, you find yourself spending like, you know, a week reading 500 pages of lore about just that one place because that lore exists or... or the... I don't, but I, I attribute that to my discipline from being a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah, no, it's important to have good discipline and know when to stop researching. <laughs> cool. Uh, what else don't you like about uh, RuneQuest or Glorantha? Oh, uh, there's some there's some give and take with the cults. So obviously, the cults are tied. Well, the gods are tied to the runes, right? And the cults come from from that source. What does you know the earth rune really mean to me? I picked up a piece of here like fertility. That's kind of obvious. Everybody can remember that piece, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and air is is you know kind of boisterousness and that kind of thing. But the actual personality traits, if you will, that tie to the runes is really hard for me to discern. That didn't really always make a lot of sense. And that's one thing that I liked about Pendragon is you've got 17 traits. Yeah. I know what you know, Chase and Lustful are. I know what pious and worldly is. I know what valors and cowardly are. But you know, what's earth? What's darkness? Yeah. It doesn't have a readily acceptable or accessible understanding of what those things are. Yeah, I've I've got um uh one of my groups when we played some Rune Quest, they uh, a few players always had trouble and you know anytime they wanted to look for something to to augment uh, a, mm -hmm. uh, a skill with or, or an ability with every time they were all like okay so what's earth again or uh, what's what's <laughs> yeah, air exactly. again what is it good for so yeah, yeah what's it good for exactly <laughs> yeah so I, t I totally get that um i mean if i if we were face to face i would have um, made some cheat sheets or something like that like eventually i think i did a screen capture and added that as a handout mm -hmm. in roll 20 of yeah. the of the the pages where it explains what what the runes can be used to augment but would still tied to yeah they they would still spend like oh wait i'm looking at the handout and you know the game has to stop for a minute yeah it takes time <laughs> yes uh what else um the cults there's some good things and bad things about the cults that you know i like or dislike the one thing i do like is the fact that it is a structure, right? If you are in this cult, these are the things you learn. These are the things that we as a cult do. Mm -hmm. You don't do that other stuff. You leave those things alone, right? That kind of mentality, I really like, because it puts control over the players from going, you know, hog wild. Mm -hmm. The flip side of that is that the beast of gore, what does that really mean to me? You know, nothing. So you've got to actually study each of the cults. Okay, what does this really mean? What does this really mean? Because people, well, some people, um, you know, you're talking about the gods, right? The gods are all knowing. Not in Gloranda, they're not. Or that's the god of the air. Things in the air he knows about. Yeah. Things that deal with his priests. Yeah, he knows about that. Maybe an initiate, depending on what's going on. But if you ask Orlanth about stuff happening down on the river, no clue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's good. And th that can also be difficult for players. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of my main gripes about that was, for example, when some players asked me, you know, what's the difference between Yinkin, Odaila and Foundchild? Because, you know, they, they just wanted to do to to make like a hunter character. A hunter, right. Exactly. Uh, it's like, what's the way? Why are there three hunting cults? Like, it's like, you know, if you especially if you come from a, a class based system or a right, playbook based yeah. system, right? You go like, give, give me the hunter playbook or I want to be the, the hunter class. But here it's like, well, you know, which kind of hunter do you like? So, so at the end, at, at the end, I just say like, okay, listen, do you, which animal do you like best? Do you like right, cats, yeah. dogs, or bears? Or, or look at the rune spells and what kind of things do you want to be able to do? Yeah, but I started doing that, but then it went into this you know, uh, a rabbit hole of questions about oh, okay. how magic yeah. works. How do you replenish rune points? Uh, you know, associate cults and all that, because like, you know, of course, found child temples, you're not going to find any, right? Well, yeah, they're all in practice in the first place. I had that problem in my very first campaign. One of my characters wanted to be a hunter and we're looking through, I don't know enough about Chloranth to know this yet. Yeah. So we're looking, found child, no, that's it. That's the hunter clan, right? Yeah. But then we start as I go along and I learn more and more go, oh, well, these guys aren't around here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I mean, you know, you can always do associate worship and all that. But, you know, when I started hearing some players saying, well, you know, I wanted to do a hunter thing, but I don't want, I don't want to have trouble replenishing my points. So right, I'm just yeah. going to go with Orlanth. And I'm like, ah, 
No, I mean, you wanted to do a hunter, do a hunter. We'll figure it out. Like we'll, we'll, we'll add more shrines along the way. We can, you know, change a bit the world building to mm-hmm. accommodate it for you, uh, so that you don't feel like shafted by the basically by picking a, a, a cool cult that just doesn't have great temples around. So the flip side to that though, because I ran the same situation, right? All my almost all my players are these eyeball cults, right? <laughs> so there's not whole, necessarily a whole lot of ground support. For all those here, yeah. um, but if you look at you know you know ninety percent of the population were worship Ronaldo and Orland, right? Yeah, that's everywhere. Less than that, but yes, the majority, so roughly, right? That kind of thing, right? I would, I think it. I would go more for 70 percent. Oh, really? I think. Yeah, I based on at least based on Jeff's posts oh, about cult post, membership. Yeah. So it's not it's not my interpretation; it's Jeff's. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but yes, the majority—that's that, the base of society. So most people are going to be these things. Mm-hmm. So if you are one of those things, you've got access to that stuff more often. Yeah, exactly. Which also makes sense in mm-hmm. uh, exactly. in a world building sense, mm-hmm. but it's indeed tricky in a gameplay sense because then you need to explain those things so that the players know what to expect on the gameplay side effectively oh that's true yeah you do you have to you have to feed your players the information yeah yeah and i guess that that goes back to your point about the connection between the system and the and the world which is great but it means that to explain the system you have to explain the world so you have twice as, <laughs> twice as many explanations to do it's just like you know it's not just how do you replenish uh, magic points in this game? It's like, is it a long rest? It's like, well, no. Do you have twenty minutes? <laughs> so, so it is. It 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 like you said. It, there's a there's a good and a bad side to it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I started doing. One of the, one of the first things. Like, actually, okay, we're playing this game. I've got my campaign, you know, sketched out on what we want to be trying to do. But what are the support features that the PCs have? Right. Mm-hmm. Where are the temples? What no, what do they worship? How big are they? And so I started picking through every published material that RuneQuest Chaos has put out on RuneQuest, you know, since RQG came out going, okay, talk about this temple here, this temple there. I got a spreadsheet of it all, right? It's color-coded <laughs> by region. <laughs> and it's listed by, is it a great temple? Is it a major temple? Is it a regular temple? Is it just a shrine? And, you know, okay, so what kind of sport can you get there? Yeah, yeah. When you start uh, going into spreadsheets to run your game, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> maybe we've gone too deep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I love spreadsheets, but uh, even even I have my uh, uh, my limits. Like uh, like I mentioned before the before we started uh, the interview, I'm running Traveler right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, Traveler is definitely like spreadsheets in space. If you play it by the book. Uh, and even I, after uh, after a couple adventures, I went like, okay, uh, who wants to keep tracking, you know, all your money and your fuel and all that, or should we start hand hand waving all that? And my <laughs> players all said like, yeah, hand wave. <laughs> uh, okay, it feels like you have a lot of uh, little nitpicks to talk about, so keep going. <laughs> oh, um, well, like, like I mentioned when we were talking earlier, the, the Red Book of Magic. Mm-hmm. I did, you know, it's not page by page, but it's pretty close to that review of that. You know, yeah, I'm it was to... letter by letter almost, yes. <laughs> That's right. We'll have links to your YouTube series about oh, the okay. Red Book of Magic in the show notes Great. so people can check it out. So what, what got me was they would discuss a concept in one spell, but discuss it differently in a similar spell later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the basic one that got me was the ambiguous power versus power roll, right? Anytime yes. you're uh, you're attempting to cast magic on another being, you have to overcome their power kind of deal. We should explain that once, call it a power versus power roll, or a, that's what we call it, right? Power versus power yeah. roll. Yeah. And then whenever we mention that, just say, make a power versus power roll. Yeah. Instead of saying, overcome their power with, or on this time you do this. And that, because and they, they mention it, or they write it three different ways, like they're writing a term paper, right? Because yeah. every time you say the same thing over and over again, you got to do it differently so it doesn't look repetitious. Yeah. But these are rules for a game. <laughs> yeah. And like I mentioned in my scenarios, my, my videos all the time, words mean things. So if you say something once and you say the same thing somewhere else, it means something different. We have a problem Yeah, where we address slightly a concept early on. And then, you know, five or six sections, sections, sections later, we discuss it in depth. Mm-hmm. We have an issue or <laughs> this spell affects these things. It's just like this other spell. We read the other spell and it's not the same. 
<laughs> yes. That incongruity really drove me nuts as I was as I was studying the Red Book of Magic. It it's a well known problem that the editing of the uh, RuneQuest Glorenta books is is not quite uh, great. Uh, I think uh, some of it comes also from the fact that they you know somewhat picked and copied text from old versions or different old versions. versions that they had errata on. But they didn't bring the errata over. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, did you <laughs> yeah. did you track it down that that deep? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I would track it from Red Book of Magic to my blue book. Of course, my blue book's got all the errata written in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's not what it says here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I remember that when I started playing uh, RuneQuest Glorantha, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the general magic chapter, they say, indeed, when you cast magic, if it's on somebody else, you need to overcome their power. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's good, but then yeah, because of the taking uh, the spell right up from this source or different source or whatever, some of them would mention you know if you overcome the power of the enemy, mm-hmm. then this happens. Whereas some don't say it, and so I remember like this whole confusion on the uh, online about people saying like, well, you know, if it says that you need to overcome the power in this spell. And it doesn't say in the other spell, does it mean you don't need to do it in the other spell? Or does it still, you know, is it still under the general umbrella uh, of the, the previous chapter that says all spells should have uh, should have a power versus power unless otherwise indicated or something like that? Right. So, yeah. so yeah, it's, and I mean, you know, repeating it in each spell so that you don't need to have the prerequisite of going back to the previous chapter might be good. But it might also be tedious and it augments the page count. So, I mean, there are many considerations to take care of, but but yeah, it, it was very inconsistent and a bit confusing. Yeah, they also use willing and unwilling targets on some of the oh, descriptions yeah. too. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite thing about the editing of uh, the RuneQuest books is the sentence construction where it says, you know, this happens, like blah, blah, make a roll, blah, 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 something, something. Mm -hmm. And then there's a condition, for example, if you have a special success or more, then this happens. Okay. That's the second sentence. And then there is a third sentence that says a third statement. And sometimes that sentence is still under the condition of, the previous sentence mm-hmm. this is still if you have a special success or more okay yeah and in some cases it's like no the previous sentence has ended we go back <laughs> to the general case <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so there's there's a lot of um there, there's quite a few erratas on the q a about this construction of, of of phrase where they have to add a little thing in that third sentence to say okay yeah this is under the special case or this is under so it's this whole thing's like what does this spirit mean you know what, <laughs> exactly. what, what do words mean i don't know we, we run into this argument all the time with um opposed roles and ties yes <laughs> I, had to, I had to write a whole article about it on the god learners blog <laughs> yeah i think um the uh yeah the poster shelf for that was the spirit combat Yes, yes, exactly. Where it says, you know, on a critical, uh, they deal damage to each other or something mm-hmm. like that. Exactly, that's right, uh, yeah. And, and there is, I think, in, in, in those sentences, I remember, like, it, it's got that problem. And so you had, I think in my game, we still play it with the wrong interpretation, which, which is, is that right. on, on any tie, we deal damage to each other. Okay. But because otherwise, it's just tedious. It's just like yeah, rolling back forever. and forth. Yeah, it's ties and and it it doesn't it doesn't work. Uh, I mean, ideally you would definitely speed things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the 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 real uh, interpretation of the rules on the on the Q and A is that you only deal damage to each other on a critical success, like on the critical tie. Right, the critical tie. Yeah, and any other tie, it's just like nothing happens, and the roll again next round, and it's tedious. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I I I totally agree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um i bet you found many uh many interesting bits of reading through the red book of magic cover to cover 
Oh, uh, yeah. In fact, the latest thing that I ran into was actually in my game yeah. where the players were dealing with, well, they were dealing with baboons that have been enhanced with sorcery, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's magic on them that's doing things, making them bigger, stronger, all that kind of good stuff. And so they start figuring, okay, how, how can we counter that? And they used, um, is it Dismiss Magic the Rune spell version? Right, yeah. And that says that it reduces the magic by its value. So they would cast a one-point rune magic spell mm-hmm. to take down the spirit magic, the spirit, the sorcery magic by two points. That's how the spell was read. That's mm-hmm. how it was written. That's not true. Because you can't take down a spell partially, which they explain later on in the spirit magic version <laughs> of the spell, right? So I dug into that for like a week and a half. Trying, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. You just drop it down. It doesn't make any sense. There should be some kind of power versus power roll of the spell strength or something, right? Or like the sorcery one, which is neutralized magic. There's there's a, a contest, a, a strength of the sorcery spell versus the strength of the spell you're trying to attack, which, which makes sense to me. So why is it not that way with the rune magic? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> if if you if you you know ignore for a moment the the rules and and the books, mm-hmm. do you have any tweaks to your Glorenta as a world? You know, do you have? Um, did you did you tweak the 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 ducks or the Moroccanth or the brews or like you know many people might uh, change them from how they're written for one reason or another or even not have ducks because they don't like ducks. Like <laughs> well, uh, I have do, ducks. <laughs> of course, I mean you know you know people with tastes have ducks in their uh, glorantha. Uh, you know when it comes to glorantha itself, I haven't yet. That's probably because. I don't know enough to feel comfortable enough in making the change. So I just take the world as written kind of thing and let's go with it and see where it goes and what happens. I've done a lot with rules. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things I've noticed with, with, with published materials, right? Of the older published materials, like all, all the gaming stuff was centered around um, cracks, you know, have this in big rubble and all that kind of stuff where it's almost like we're doing, you know, murder hobos. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. The world of being a, a society, we all have responsibilities and stuff and doing, you can adventure here and there, but we have this end of season phase where it ties us all in. We're all part of this culture. We all do these things. You've got stuff to do at home yeah. that I really, really like. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really think that the original RQ2 was mostly focused around Big Rubble and Pavis because... That's where you can be a murder hobo and you can do dungeon delves if effectively and and it probably uh, took a, a a little longer for most people to wise up to uh, playing with community and all that even though probably Greg Stafford was doing it from the start because he's a clever guy. Yeah, uh, well, it's kind of hard to do, you know. Having you know, what does it really mean? I mean, you do your end of season phase, you got all your roles and stuff, but what does it mean you've been doing, you know, this for the period? Now, one of my guys is a philosopher; he's got um, alchemy, so he can be making you know potions during yeah. off season off time and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um i've got another guy who is uh, a shaman so assuming he's got enough extra time yeah. he could be going into the spirit world learning spells and teaching people kind of stuff um but i actually i tried using the um the old arc it was rq3 cities and something oh yeah the the cities with all the random tables random for... tables right i tried yeah, using that great. one uh, it didn't work out too well for us. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it's just the way the tables are written or what, but things just, just were not making a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so I just, uh, well, on my head, I'm on my own going, okay, he's doing this every day. The player is this kind of a person. What would his character be doing if he was that kind of person? So like my my philosopher-sorcerer guy, you know, he, he's, you know, go to the coffee shop in the morning, right? Read the local paper kind of thing and then go to the shop, do his stuff. And so, okay, who would he meet at Starbucks in the morning, right? And so I got make some random roles and try to develop their own personal circle of interactive NPCs. I've only had one character really bite off on that, and that's because there's a guard up at uh, Queen Leica's palace who uh, has a crush on him. And so they've, they've got an actual interaction going on now, and so he'll, he'll mention things of, you know, whenever I have that chance to go up to the – because he's a chariot driver, so he'll, he'll put himself on, on duty for, for anything from the palace if – if you know she's on duty, you know that kind of thing. Nice, nice. Although you you did tweak the world building a bit when you sort of tweaked cars for your uh, for your campaign, like where you oh sort yeah, of... 
interpreted the old cars versus new cars yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So see, there you're comfortable enough now. You've done it. <laughs> well, I've got to put places, things, places, right? Uh, cool. Uh, anything else on the bits you don't like or bits you change? Uh, sorcery is hard. <laughs> really, really hard. And that's with me and my really smart player both trying to figure it out together. Yeah. He's got a Lankermai, I suppose. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Lankermai sorcerer philosopher guy. And so we've got what we think is how it's supposed to work. He actually has a little spreadsheet saved up. So if he's going to cast it at this strength, this is going to have all these different total magic point costs, right? That's what right. he's got. How much is it going to cost for time in magical? Yeah. Um, so that's what makes it hard. And I understand, you know, that Greg wants sorcery to be hard. Right. It, it's not, you know, dragon pass magic kind of stuff. Right. It's that stuff off in the West. Those weirdos over there do this kind of thing. And they've got societies developed to just support this one guy. Right. So it doesn't really work here. And, you know, I understand that my player still has problems dealing with that because he wants to play, you know, a, a magic user. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's a magic user. Really. <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, sorcery, the staff and all that kind of good stuff. Right. So yes. We're trying to massage that around, figure out how we're doing this. And it did work out or it hasn't worked out so far. We haven't really had a whole lot of issues um, with that. Else, Shamanism. <laughs> yes. That's another thing that can be really, really hard. Your fetch. Mm-hmm. Is a spirit, right? Mm-hmm. It can send spirits out to its power times, well, 10 at far range, right? Up to its power, they can know stuff about it. But it's a spirit. Can it see? Can it smell? It's got spirit speech, right? Because that's how you talk to it, right? And uh, when we first started with, with our fetches, you know, it's a sun bear, right? So it's got a little kind of form, and they sent it off to do scouting stuff. It became a, a super spy for them. And I go, this can't be right. This can't be right. And then Okay, it's a spirit. It's got one sense, power. Yeah. Okay, go this direction for 120 meters and do a sense around and come straight back. You know, you've got to give it specific guidance every single time you want to try to do something, right? And then there's the whole, uh, I've got a vision of the spirit world, right? Being parallel to the middle world, mm-hmm. but it's got depth to it, right? That's where you go further, further, deeper, you get the more powerful spirits and that kind of thing, right? But when you get to the, the shallows, the thin, the it's shallow. The, co- the coastline, right, of the spirit world and the middle world coming together are things like race and ghosts. Are they on the m- middle world and they just become corporate to their sp- to their spiritual attacks? Or are they actually in the spirit world and can sense through it to a, whatever area they're haunting? And when you come by, they see you there. And so they come through and their manifestation is actually transitioning from the spirit world to the middle world. That's the question that I had. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you got to Shaman with his fetch, fetch is in the spirit world, right? He can see things in the spirit world, but are these spirits that we have haunting this place in the middle world, or are they in the spirit world? Yeah, exactly. So the fetch can be in the physical world, as far as I'm concerned, if he becomes visible. Mm-hmm. Right, yes, right. we use that. Uh, and so I, basically my analogy here, because I played a lot of Cyberpunk 2020 in my youth, okay. my analogy is net running. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Just really briefly. But yeah, it's basically the usual cyberpunk trope of the the person, you know, plugging uh, a brain implant or whatever and going into the internet, you know, into the, okay, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the matrix, right? And so when you're in the in the internet or in the in the network, mm-hmm. you don't see the real world. What you see, for example, is you know, you've got this big giant complex. A collection of um, you know security programs and data banks and whatnot, mm-hmm. and that might match to the building of a corporation in the real world. Okay, but yeah. but there's no direct relation. Like you can't see the doors and the corridors and the elevators and all that. All you see is the data banks, the security programs, uh, the you know the email storage uh, files and and that kind of stuff, right? Or it could be the, that same big collection of things could be just like some nerd's house out in the woods who is like some, you know, conspiracy nut job who's got like, <laughs> you know, lots of pirated content or whatever in, in his in his home. And that actually maps to just a farm in the middle of nowhere. Right, so yeah. I see that in the same way, uh, the difference between 
the the spirit world and the and the real world uh in in RuneQuest where when the when a spirit whether it's the fetch or even like a bound spirit that you order around mm-hmm. when he goes sniffing around he will only see that spirit world so maybe he's going to be able to see you know a couple of spirit and auras over there but he won't be able to tell you you know those are tusk riders in a tower or those are two farmers in the middle of the field he right, will just yeah. tell you like there's two auras over there and they're roughly pal 15 and that's it so that's why i think it's somewhat useful as a spy but not games breaking mm-hmm. if that makes sense it does because when we were first doing it it was game breaking right so yeah, because, I started pulling yeah. back in and we've got to refigure this out because this is not working <laughs> yeah, no, yeah i can see you know, i can see that uh, every thankful. palatial palace would be full of spirits hunting down <laughs> yes yeah and of course it's easy also to scare players i think with it because i mean technically there are spirits everywhere right yeah right so when the fetch comes back and you know you ask it uh okay you know so what's over there behind the hills and it's gonna say like oh there's like these like 12 spirits all around and like plus some uh another handful of auras and uh and then i think there's a ghost and all that and you know the ghost might be like completely under an old burial mound and he can't even get out or he doesn't want to get out and okay, yeah. you know the dozen spirits are just like trees who don't care about anything right or, uh, or some river naiad who won't care about anything either unless you go and stop you know mess with her pond <laughs> oh, yeah exactly so so at this point the 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 players also have to stop sorting through this information which again you know i'm always using analogies with other games uh that i played more than the Northwest. quest uh, <laughs> but for example you know call of Cthulhu. um the uh when you play in the modern day one of the things is like some people ask sometimes like how do you play a horror game in the modern day because you know anytime something happens or you see something you can always take your phone and look it up on the internet mm-hmm, yeah and it's like you know have, already, have you already searched something on the internet first it's gonna take you like you know two hours <laughs> second you're gonna find a lot of unrelated stuff you know you're exactly. gonna do a lot of backtracking it's like oh no this is just a random blog that's talking about something unrelated uh this is obviously fake news this is mm-hmm. like a wikipedia entry but look at that the... so you can do the same with that where there's a lot of not necessarily misinformation but the, the signal to noise ratio is very low or high or whatever the mm-hmm. you know the, the bad way around right <laughs> so um because indeed there's spirits everywhere the spirit world is full of weird stuff Mm -hmm. and so when the fetch come back and tells you what's in the spirit world over there then it's going to be hard to actually sift through that information but it can still give you a hint and so i try to make it uh, a bit useful but not too much basically that way yeah and so i think i've gotten to that point now where it's useful enough for them to use but not so overpowering that let's just let the fetch do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we um I find that um there there's a, a few situations like that in the RuneQuest Glorantha where you do something and then you realize like, wait, no, that's too easy, or that's like, you know, let's let's think about this a bit more. Let's dial it back. And and so you have to sort of talk to your players, uh metagame a bit and 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 come to a come to an understanding which is which is easy when you've got good players so yep. thankfully that's good okay um can you tell us about your uh, ongoing game like you said you started in the Ernaldori clan right yeah right yeah when um it was after gen con that first year that rqg came out mm-hmm. i proposed to my buddy actually i got a buddy on the west coast who's running a game based off of rq3 uh-huh. Um, that I was Skyping into, and I proposed, hey, I'm going to try and run RuneQuest online. He can be in the game, and I'll, I'll search out on Facebook, hey, I'm starting this game, anybody want to join in kind of thing. And after a number of hits and misses, I finally got to a group where we're all pretty much solid and, and doing well. But when I first started, I ran like a sequel to The Broken Tower in that 
during Earth season, there's this festival down right at the Sundown Temple. That's where it was going to when the, the cattle robbing had, and you guys are left, so you got to care of it. And so they're coming down to that festival. That's where I had things starting. <clears throat> and there was like a little murder mystery thing going on with some espionage and um, a chaos stone and little bits and pieces of things that all came together around the Sundome Temple um, that were happening. And that was to get them out to invest some baboons that were hiding out in a, in a, a, a cavern area. But that tied back into um, one of the players' sister-in-law being hired. She's a scribe. I like her, my scribe, to go to Johnstown, do some studying for something that she then ended up missing. And so that pulled the players. I, I was just doing railroad this first part. you know. So they go checking that down, and they end up tracking down a small family of, of dark trolls and get involved in some stuff there. And all these things are piecing together on um, – this uh, the big bad evil guy, which is Kareem. That's her name. Mm-hmm. She's doing stuff that's trying to find her MacGuffin. That's a, a trail that the players are then following because she's causing all these things to happen. We finally got to um, the Dark Troll Woods next to the Wind Mountains. I what it's called. But that's where I had that um, underground complex with the Thanatari and all that stuff. And um, they, the party started getting attacked by Thantari spirits there. And so they had to actually end up doing some divine intervention to get out. <laughs> and at that point, we ended up losing some players and then getting some new players. So the, the whole campaign at that point shifted. Mm-hmm. Um, so while in the background, I've got this stuff happening with Kareen and what she was planning on doing, that continues to go. But now the, the players don't have an investment in that anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So we started over uh, with this new campaign um, where I've sprinkled a number of different modules and scenarios from RuneQuest even um, into their path, right? And so they've done some stuff. They get attention of Queen Laika, so she starts send, sending them out to do things for her, right? There's the scenario where the party is out doing patrols, and they run into the lunar soldiers chasing the little boy, mm-hmm. going to Redbird and doing that whole fainting spirit stuff. That's what scenario is, Fainting Spirit. So I did that. And while they were out there, they got connected in with the ducks from Rattling Wind. So I was pulling all these things into their past for things for them to do. Um, but we got to the point where oh, we ended up going up to uh, two sisters. So I had to build two sisters. Mm-hmm. There's the odd tower over there that used to be a lunar outpost on the edge of uh, the marsh, the Electi Swamp. And so I, I built this whole thing into that that they almost got to, but because they're going into they're going towards the tower, and there's like you know two of these giant crocodiles and four other regular crocodiles that are in the swamp waiting for people or things to walk by. And so they ambushed them, and after that they, they quit doing that. They went somewhere else instead. <laughs> I tracked down a couple of different um, investigative kind of things. There's these pirates that are on the stream there. That at first they were just kind of watching. Well, I got involved because I got ambushed. And we're mm-hmm. following them around, kind of figuring out what's going on with these guys. But they've, you know, they've got an enlightened owl. So he flies over there, checks things out, comes back, goes, hey, there's a bunch of them. They got a little castle down there off the edge of the river. Okay, that's too big for us. So we'll tell Queen Lee, you can let her deal with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you mostly like sprinkle lots of little adventure seeds waiting to see which one they bite on. And... Yeah, I was right with them first. You know, this is what we're doing. Queen Lika sends you on mission after mission after mission. Okay, now we've got lots of different things you're going to do. What do you want to do? And they mm-hmm. hit a stump. <laughs> they just kind of stalled out. Do, do you still manage to have like an overarching arc or is it mostly sandbox play? No, I, I do. Well, I, uh, there's a uh, technique I learned from the DMs block. They've got a podcast too. It's on Facebook. Yeah. And well, that's on Facebook. It's on something else. But they, they've got a, a, a blog where they do, you know, DM stuff, right? Yep. And they talk about this technique where you take Magic of the Gathering cards and you pull it out using the verbiage and the picture. Who, what, where. Okay. And so I would take, I actually bought a, because I don't do Magic of the Gathering, so I bought a deck of cards, shuffled <laughs> them up, took all the extras out, right? Mm-hmm. And I deal that like a like a, a tarot card, right? Nine, three by three. And I pull out who, what, where for one piece, who, what, where for a second, and a third piece. So I got these three different things tied together. And then based upon all that stuff, I, I sketch out my campaign. Mm-hmm. Right. And then 
you don't want to just do three adventures, right? So uh, as things go along, I'll throw a piece in here. Or mm-hmm. does an adventure I already have, whether it's an Iron Crown Enterprises thing or an old D&D module <laughs> or what else? Even the newer stuff like uh, the 5e uh, Princes of, of the Apocalypse, right? I've actually tied that into my campaign. Cool. So I got these little threads that I try to throw in there just to give us more stuff to do. Nice. So now at the end of the campaign, if they can actually, there's the ruins. Um, on top of, not, not round top, that's that's uh, here. My two sisters, there's that hill. I forgot what it's called. But there's a mountain range, or a hill, a mountain range off of there. And there's a ruins on top of it. Down at the bottom is the Greenstone Temple. And so in these ruins is my big bad evil guy and his minions. And he happens to have an affinity for animal spirits, specifically large carnivorous mammals and spires. Because I've used those in the past with my other scenarios, right? There's something odd going on here. Something odd going on. That's how you tie those adventures together. Those things together, right? And um, if they can just go down, and I've actually got a hero quest set up at the end of this one. So this will be a first time running a hero quest. We'll see how well that runs out. I've got a little hero quest thing mapped out. I've got an idea of what the bad guy is going to do. And it's all about them, where they're going to go along the way. Because hopefully they're going to get to the point where um, there may be some illumination, uh, draconic illumination, mm-hmm. because there's a rumor that underneath the ruins are um, ancient uh, Empire of the Worms friends stuff. And so uh, I put yes. that in. Mm-hmm. So that's happening. That's where this big bad evil guy is and what he's doing. And so hopefully they'll go through there, do this hero quest, maybe get some illumination, maybe fight an actual basilisk. Ooh. Yeah, that, that, that's what the big bad evil guys do. <laughs> he's trying to make a basilisk. Um, and then from there, hopefully they'll hook up with with um, Airgraph, who right now in my world is at Clearwine. Oh, and my guys, while they're stationed at Clearwine, are out here in the woods, <laughs> missing everything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it, it means your players shouldn't listen to this episode unless this episode is released after you've done all this. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> guys, don't listen to this. Cool. Uh, so I haven't heard about the the technique of using magic cards to do that, but I've seen uh, I've seen a few games who who actually bake that in. Like for example, I played a campaign of Mutant Year Zero recently. I don't know if you know the that game. It's I'm uh, with that one. No, it's a game from Free League. The the people who make like the Alien RPG and uh, okay. Forbidden Lands and all that. And the game actually comes with. I mean, if you you know, pay for it, uh, <laughs> comes with a deck of cards where um, you can actually draw a few cards for, uh, you know, some event that's going to happen and some theme and some uh, some stuff like that. And you can even like every session you can draw a new card uh, to see what's going to happen and, and use that basically to mm-hmm. improvise yeah. um, uh, stuff. And I'm pretty sure there are other... Um, uh, I think Savage Worlds might have a few modules that use regular playing cards to also generate uh, random encounters and uh, okay. and overarching uh, adventure themes. So, so yeah, I've used I've used that a bit, uh, and uh, usually it's good, uh, especially in its like in in the case of Mutant Year Zero, it's specifically presented as a sort of zero prep. Kind of thing where you don't okay. you don't draw those cards you know during the week while you prep for the session you draw the cards at the beginning of the session and then you improvise with it. Uh, I mean, if, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, if you if you're okay improvising, of course. But the way they present it is very much uh, like a zero prep version way to play the the uh, the game. So yeah, there's actually a couple of YouTube guys that I watch that do something similar. There's Role Play Cafe. They do this Dark Age of Man. It's the game they're actually designing, where he writes out a series of events, people and things kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And then as they're playing, they'll roll to see, you know, what happens kind of deal. Uh-huh. And then um, Professor Dungeon Master does the same sort of thing. He just put out a video the other day on his, uh, the game he ran, I forgot what it's called, but he's got his little map and he's got three columns of 12 different items and things and stuff and people that, you know, roll to see what happens and what, what's, what's going on, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm not I'm not enlightened enough to be able to just make a table with all those things. <laughs> <laughs>
So what do you recommend as the first contact for newbies? Like what, what would you tell a newbie who's interested in uh, RuneQuest or Glorytha? What, what would you tell them to read or try? Definitely the quick start. The quick start, I think, gives enough to play with. Plus, I love the uh, Broken Tower scenario at the end. I actually love that. I, I would want to play it more. In fact, I was really, really kind of not upset, but disappointed that Todd didn't push more of that at the Chaosium games as we're doing at the, at the conventions. It's like we did that first year and that was it. This is a cool scenario. Let's keep doing it. I mean, new people are going to show up every year, right? Yes. Yeah, I I really like it better than, for example, the first scenarios of the starter set. Because what I find interesting with the Broken Tower, without going into spoilers in case people haven't played it, what I like is that the ending... I've, I've played it, I think, two or three times. And every time the ending wasn't, well, started as a combat, but didn't end as a combat. It ended as something else, okay. which, you can, which you can probably guess. It includes, um, you know, negotiation and worship. Mm-hmm. So, and and that I like because this is very Glorantan as opposed to, or at least it's more original than, for example, um, you know, the first scenario of the starter set, which is basically just fighting chaos uh, creatures at the end, I think. Okay, yeah. So um, it's not all so hack that, and slash. Yeah, so that's why I like the Broken Tower because it's got, it hits many of the Glorentan highlights to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a really um, good job with that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, is there anything that doesn't exist or that exists but that you didn't know about um that you wish you had read uh when you first came to glorantha i wish i would have gotten a hold of red moon or white bear red moon the board game oh really wow okay yeah i think that would have helped me understand more about the interactions between societies and the politics of dragon pass oh did you get a hold of it uh i haven't I've, I've seen pictures of the map and stuff i don't have the actual game though no okay yeah it's um it's very old school oh yeah <laughs> shits with uh, numbers right <laughs> but yeah 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 exactly i uh i think i tried to play a game with my kid but we weren't even finished setting up all the chits that my kid was born already and went oh. away so <laughs> well i play some squad leader so i'm used to that Oh wow! Okay, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's uh, uh, I haven't heard this one yet. I think. Um, cool. So, uh, is there anything you do? Well, I know that there is stuff you do that you can advertise here before we wrap up. Uh, what uh, do you do? That's cool. That people should check out. And where can people find you? Oh yeah, I am um, on YouTube, Twitter, and and uh, MeWe. Is that right, MeWe or MeWe? Yeah, MeWe. Yeah. Um, uh, all Brian eleven eighty seven. That's me. Um, I do post up uh, on YouTube session reviews of not only the sessions of my game, but of the game I play in with my buddy Bruce. Right. Okay. Yeah, and I'll post those. I'll throw those on the uh, RuneQuest Facebook page as well. Just links for people to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do actually record live plays of both sessions, but I don't advertise that. It's a link in the description if you view the session review okay yeah i've also got a couple of reviews in fact when the uh, reviews of, of chaos and publications for own quest for example at gen con when they had the gen con version of um the cults no it was before rqg came out because it was it was a manuscript version of rqg oh okay wow okay yeah i went through that so i've got i've got a cha- not channel i've got a playlist of you know my reviews of materials and that's what it starts with and then I did the review of Red, Book of Red Magic and uh, Weapons and Equipment. I did a review on that as well, mm-hmm. which is actually really good for me because it made me delve into what actually is all in there. Because, yes. I mean, you flip through, you see a couple of things. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. That's tricky, but no, there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. Very, very yeah. handy. Yeah. Um, my buddy uh, Bruce has been pushing me to do one on sorcery out of the blue book. <laughs> <laughs> so I may, I may do that. Uh, what, what do you mean the blue book? Oh, the R2G book. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, man. You, you you call that the blue book because there's a blue guy the blue on the cover. The blue cover yeah. 
Okay, cool. Yes. I never heard it called that way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. That's my call. The blue book. Yeah. Um, but I do, um, I've done, oh, every year in, I think it's August, there is RPG a day. Oh, yes. Which, which is pushed by uh, RuneSlinger and some other folks that uh, when I first ran his RuneSlinger on, on YouTube, I started watching him, that I, I jumped on. My first one, oh, my first year was horrible. But you get used to, you know, talking to an audience on online kind of thing, and you have to smooth out and become more comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've done that uh, for a number of years now. Um, so I've got a playlist of those, and then sometimes because uh, from from RPG a day and that connection that that community, and there's an RPG Facebook group I forgot it's called. Well, they'll you know bring up topics and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and we'll sometimes do you know video responses right. so i've got a few of those out there too not a whole lot just a few. cool well um we will have links in the show note to all of those things so that people can uh, can check it out great and uh well thanks a lot for spending the time to talk to me absolutely pleasure being on yeah and uh, i'll see you online and on youtube then <laughs> cheers everywhere else <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the God Learner's Glorantan Initiation Series. The intro music is Dancing Tiger by Dan Scray. The outro music is Islam Dream by Serge Quadrado. You can find us online at godlearners.com or on Twitter and Facebook at The God Learners. See you next time. Question everything to the void and beyond.